This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive, but necessary, and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapist, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is The Car Debate. Hello, everybody. Happy Friday. We have uh, stood in the cold and shot today. We have talked about <laughs> random shoots that are coming up. Sorry, shot. I filmed. You know what I mean. Stuff for the Prius. There's there's one more big Prius video coming. I'm very excited about that, actually, because it was Prius on track. That video is coming, actually, early next year. But we should talk about the video that's really coming next week. Yeah, speaking of big videos, the title is Price of Fun. You've heard us allude to that, and that is... Just because you spent more money, are you having more fun? Mm -hmm. There's five cars included in this film. Our former GR86, Todd's Lotus Elise, the show's C8 Corvette, a 991 Carrera T, and a McLaren Artura. Thanks to McLaren, they brought a press car mm -hmm. out to us, and we shot back in August of 2023. That is coming Friday, December 8th, 2023. That is a Friday. We encourage you all yes. to watch it at work, but most importantly, kick back over the weekend because mm -hmm. it's going to be what? Close to an hour long? It's going to be the better part of an hour, which is why we're kicking it back close to the weekend instead of a Thursday release. We're going to do Friday, probably right around lunchtime is when it's coming. So be prepared. That's a week from now. We're going to have, have it out at lunchtime. If you're a person that's, you know, it's late in December and you're kicking back and it's a slow day at work and you've <laughs> got 45 minutes or whatever, great. <laughs> but are but slow. also we're going to need you guys to watch it over that first 24, 48 hours because that will set its trajectory and it is going to be worth like at home on the big screen, big visuals, big sound. This is... South Dakota was our biggest trip of the year. Mm -hmm. This is our biggest comparison of the year. These five cars, an hour long, great visuals. We shot it at the prime time of year for a wonderful road. Yeah, it was gorgeous. The cars are all colors. It's fun to look which at all the really, footage. really, really cool. Be reminded of these great roads. Like, ah. So, yeah, now that it's getting really cold yeah, here, it's fun it's to look so at the best nice. part of the road. So that's coming real quick, and uh, and we're very excited about it. We, we held it for December because we wanted it to be out around Christmas time. We hope you guys will watch it. We need your help on that. But we also think you're really going to enjoy it because it's a discussion that, to some degree, you and I have on the podcast all the time. The video manifested itself after that conversation happened mm -hmm. because we've always talked about, yep. should you spend more? Does that mean you're having fun? And you've heard me joke constantly about, what is the quantifiable percentage yes. you're having 12% more fun well then why didn't you spend more money to get 24% more fun <laughs> double your money double your pleasure right yes. that's what we dove into we're excited about it it's really and, cool oh so great to look at all this footage anyway so the commentary is not about the cars themselves I mean it is just to yeah. remind everybody about what the cars can do but really it's a comparison are we having fun that's the whole point Mm -hmm. when and, we drive and how cars. much are your dollars connected to driving fun? We're very excited to kind of break that down. We're looking forward to that. So that is coming. Uh, speaking of other things that are happening near the end of the year, Spotify sends out their year in review thing. Your Spotify year, it's all the things cool you listen to. It's cool that they do it. It's very cool. My son has been <laughs> updating me with how much he's listened to various artists and how much more music he listens to than his mom because they share an account. He's like, I listen to a lot more music than mom. I'm Interesting. like, uh, okay, great. Hmm. Uh, so all kinds of bands he listens to, which is pretty funny. He's been talking to me about that, but you guys are awesome because you guys are sending us your podcast year in review because so many of you have us in your top five podcasts. Some of you have us as our, your, we're your number one podcast, which I'm very flattered That's by. That's amazing. Thank what you. What I really like seeing is when we are one of your top five podcasts and we're the only car one. That also amazes me. I'm glad that, that you know, you're listening to lots because there's a lot of podcasts out there. It, everybody it's amazing. that has ever thought they had something to say that made a blog <laughs> back in 2000 is <laughs> oh podcasting now. 
So thank you guys for listening and for sending us how many minutes and hours and in some cases days you've spent with us. We are flattered. We thank you for being here and there's a lot more to come. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you're cleaning your car after a summer of hard driving, be sure to wash in a cool, shady spot and use Griot's Garage Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer with Snow Foam. You can also connect the Boss Foam Cannon to your pressure washer and use foaming surface wash and polygloss. Griot's has also just introduced the cordless foaming sprayer. You can create a high foam blizzard with little to no work and avoid wash-induced scratches, which is the safest way to wash your ride. Now, if you need to get bugs off the front of your car, try the bug and smudge remover right before you wash. Or if you've been tracking your car, track spray removes rubber streaks that always happen. The rubber smears and tire chunks come off really easy as soon as you use the track spray. Griot's offers wash and detail kits, which make it easy to get the right products together. Whether you just are doing a starter kit, it's your first time using Griot's, or you're breaking out a foam cannon and you're adding to your collection, Griot's has the right kit for you. Griot's garage products are 100% guaranteed and all liquids are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, please note there's a new code. Use DRIVER10 for 10% off everything on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. The two debates for this episode are on opposite ends of each other in terms yeah. of price. Yeah. Timothy is waiting on an Amira. He's in Cincinnati, Ohio. And then the second debate is David Z in Calgary, Alberta, and he wants a fun car for $0 or <laughs> as little as possible. How, how cheaply can we do this? No which is budget great. at all. I love it. We're going to dive right in with Timothy's debate here. He says the great thing about Minister of Finance number two. <laughs> oh, there's, there's a lot of subtext in this email. If we start right there. Anyway, yeah, onward. It's her commitment, her beauty, the way she drops everything at the drop of the hat to help others. Timothy writes, an incidental benefit is her aversion to math. I have an aversion to math too, Timothy. <laughs> She's I not actually the minister of finance because she'd just rather stay away from the whole math thing. He said, as a result, she has agreed to him putting a deposit on a Lotus Amira and is not fully aware of the actuarial ramifications. Well written. <laughs> Timothy sacked minister of finance number one. Wow. Okay. There's a lot. Of, seriously, there's a lot of behind the scenes on this. Be careful who listens. So he holds this as a fine step forward he says aren't numbers ephemeral anyway yes they are fleeting so here's the problem timothy's son will have his driver's license in two months okay for a variety of reasons including transit to former mof number one's house on the weekends he needs a car i need to stop here and say real quickly we've okay. never dealt with multiple Tim mofs Tim number Tim one and number two timothy your son is going to listen to this podcast because it's about him. It's true. This is his mom we're talking about. So let's just, let's be a little careful. What I like is that you are happily married and you want yes. your car son to have a fun car. We are headed into a, actually a fascinating conversation here. Timothy owns a BMW Z4M Roadster, which he fell backward into. Okay, love it. And an 11th generation Honda Civic Si. That is the current Civic Si. Such a good car. Both of which Tim loves dearly. And the Amira may not be here for either three days or three years based on what he reads on a daily basis in the forums. There's no way to know. 
I am almost taking trips to the Los Angeles port just to see him come off ships. I mean, I'm excited about it. And I don't know what date to go. Nobody knows. Nobody, Nobody knows. knows. Lotus U.S. corporate or Lotus like U.S. marketing, they don't even know. They have yeah, no idea. They don't really even know. I don't think the people we, in the factory know. They're just building them and then... We've asked. And we know they're churning them out at the factory. But somewhere between Hethel and the U.S., nobody knows. Yeah, that's a problem. All right. Well, Timothy gives us options. Three options. Option number one is to hold and wait. And in the meantime, buy a quality but inexpensive first car for his son and enjoy the Z4 and the Civic. In other words, Tim has attempted patience while waiting for the Lotus. <laughs> uh-huh. But he's concerned the car disease will worsen and heaven forbid it becomes acute. Probably will. If Tim is honest with himself, he doesn't think this strategy is sustainable and it's probably not healthy. So what you're saying is since you have no idea when the Amir is coming in, you want to buy a holdover car. Well, you have written to the right people, my friend. We are here to be but helpful. But the first option is the holdover car would be inexpensive. Well, no, but the holdover car would be something for his son. Oh, for his son. That's yeah, the key he'll, thing. He'll keep his cars. In, in this son. version, there are mm. no new fun cars for Timothy. There's a beater for his son, but which he's is got perfectly the Z4M, which totally. is sweet. But he's his, his new car itch is not being scratched because the Amira uh. is smoke and mirrors, and his son got the newest car in the family. Now I'm putting new in huge quotes there. New because it just showed up. It's going to be used. If you get a holdover car, Tim, and you get it for your son, mm -hmm. there's no way that you won't be able to not drive it. True. You yeah. will say, mm -hmm. son. Do you like Z4M Roadsters? Because <laughs> I have one. You can drive this if I can drive your car the cool because because it's just it's new and different. New. Uh huh. You're absolutely right. It just showed up in the driveway, and it may be a beater, but I want to go drive that. Right. That's not the healthy part. Mm -hmm. So then your son will get the Z4 and the Civic, and Tim will be driving the new whatever. The new comes old the Fiesta ST or whatever. <laughs> Somewhere his son is jumping up and down at the mention of the Fiesta ST as a first car. It's true. Anyway, onward. Option number two is to be cautiously fun. Mm. He would find a base approximately 15-year-old Porsche 911 as a daily and get the Porsche experience. Okay. Then he would give the Civic to his son. At that point, he would either trade the Z4 or the 911 for the Amira when it comes. That's three days from now or three years. Yes, you might have that car a while, yeah. Mm -hmm. He asks, though, as a side note to us, is the SI too much car for his son? Mm. And concern number two is the 911. Will that overshadow the Amira? Mm. Okay. Option number three, indulge in an exotic. <laughs> so so <laughs> option number three is the, yeah, you know what? Let's just spend a lot of money. Why not? Let's try this. This is where that $95,000 budget comes from. Mm -hmm. And this is where it gets tantalizing, a true inoculation against the disease. No, it's not. There's no inoculation at all. Not at all. So the SI goes to his son, like option number two, mm -hmm. but then Tim trades in the Z4 and looks for cars that are not ordinary and not conventional, but beautiful, if not exotic art. Okay. A very used and well-loved Ferrari California, he suggests. Or maybe a used Bentley Continental GT. <laughs> GT? <laughs> okay. Because he says an LC500 Lexus or a Quadrifoglio are just too conventional. Mm -hmm. He'd like to have a daily, but he doesn't know what he doesn't know. Mm, that's very good. But here's the flip side, though. If he's buying a new daily semi-exotic car in the short term... He's worried about maintenance costs. He's worried about fear of repair. If he's buying, a, to your point, you said a well-loved Ferrari California that gets under 100 grand, that could be terrifying. He'd prefer a 2 plus 2. He doesn't want a Corvette. He doesn't want muscle cars. He doesn't want any other BMWs. His Z4 apparently is the only one. He said, what do I do here? Am I intoxicated? Am I losing touch? Kind of both because we're car people and we sometimes yep. lose touch of reality. So anyway, he said he'd trade or sell this car theoretically when the Amira comes in. 
He'd like a manual, but he'd take a very good auto. Most of the cars you've listed are auto only. His concern is wild depreciation, but if he's buying a used car for up to 90 grand, what strategy? What car? I mean, who gives us a budget of $95,000? At that point, you're just at 100. It's 100. Let's ju- you just, mm-hmm. there's, there's I know six it's figures. probably hard to type those numbers. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's six figures on this budget and for maybe sure. Maybe MOF number two is standing mm-hmm. over your shoulder just saying, let's just she's, back that off. She's listening now for there sure, yes. Yeah. I like option number three, Tim, Okay. because now is the, the time to play. Okay. But I like what you wrote up here, Tim, when you said, maybe you should buy the car that you fear. You fear the maintenance mm. and you fear the logistics of repairs. That's interesting. But the balance of beauty and poetry and car, maybe buying something like that might be healthy. Might Maybe that's right. That's a good stretching exercise. I like it. Yeah, be careful. Don't hurt yourself. However, I think you should buy the car you fear but pay less. Mm. Much less. Because if you pay less for a car that you fear, it will keep the fear meter higher. <laughs> <laughs> it's the old YouTube trick of I bought the cheapest car X on the on the internet. Yes, yes Tim, uh-huh. you get to play like all the YouTubers you've seen have bought. Like I bought a Maserati Quattroporte. Who, who did that? I don't remember who. Oh, that's right, my dear friend Paul. Yeah, got it. <laughs> I mean, Todd pronounced mm-hmm. the moment that he buys a Phaeton, the suspension will collapse. He bought a Phaeton, and the suspension collapsed. Yes, it was it was in literally week one, folks. So I'm advocating for something. That keeps the fear meter high okay. because of logistics and maintenance and the fear of repairs and the fear of collapsing suspension, not suggesting a Phaeton. I started out with a BMW M2 CS. Those are like 9,500 grand. Those are brilliant. Okay. They're so right. fun. They're right. great. It would be the prior generation, so not okay. the new one. And I really thought they were such a hardcore race car for the street. It felt special when you drove it. We compared that to an Evora GT. Mm-hmm. And that was quite an amazing car. Very fast. The seats were great. But we're still spending ninety-five dollars or $100,000. So I have decided you should look for Maserati Gran Turismos. Oh. For half your budget. Oh, look at you. Because you've already got a hundred grand earmarked for the Amira. Mm -hmm. And whatever in-between exotic that you look for right now, well, I don't really think you're going to get your money back. And if you spend ninety-five grand. You're still going to have to bring money to the table when you buy that Amira. You've mm-hmm, got, mm-hmm. got to get rid of whatever we decide for you and then put that money down on the Amira. At this point, if you get the Gran Turismo, it's all the fear of a Ferrari <laughs> without the massively overhyped badge. Okay. I mean, the massively overhyped maintenance still might be there. Well, but, it is. but I do like the I do like this, actually. It's really good. It's still Italian. It's mm-hmm. still beautiful to look at. It still has a, has a gorgeous engine sound. It's still flashy. It's still not boring. And your neighbors will think you're just as nuts as you ever were. Mm-hmm. I like it. So there's no change there, but it's a stupid purchase, right? But you paid less, so you don't feel quite as badly for making a stupid purchase. Mm. Because if I say, buy a Ferrari California, well, that's stupid and flashy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What if you get a Maserati Gran Turismo? And I went looking and I found many of them about a decade old now from 30 grand on up to 50 grand. Mm. So let's pay half or less. On one hand, the fear is like, is the car going to blow up? Is it going to even last? But what if it does? Because many that I'm seeing are between thirty and 50,000 miles. So somebody's been driving them, mm-hmm. whether they've maintained them or not. Somebody's been driving these cars. <laughs> and now they're up for sale, just mm-hmm. like all Maseratis. They're yes. just the fear car. Just yes. Out there for Maintenance you to own. Maintenance is coming, so now I will sell it. They're for you to own for a short period of time, just like I own my Maserati for a short period of mm-hmm. time. And mm-hmm. it ran the whole time, so this will run the whole time. But you paid less. Let's not spend your Amira budget on this 
wild, new, exotic kind of thing, unless you buy a Mercedes AMG GT. Oh, that's interesting twist. Because if we're spending 90 grand, I can't ignore that. And those mm -hmm. are special. And good news, you will get your money back out of that. Yeah, probably most of it, yeah. Found you a 2016 AMG GTS that has more horsepower with 13,000 miles on it. This is practically new. Mm. I believe mm. it's still the the old command system in yeah. there. Yeah, it took a while for so them to update it otherwise. Great. Yeah. Yeah. I don't it's not think the it was inbox, yeah. 2019 or 2020 forget, when they, yeah. they made the switch, which we really like. But then you're paying well into your well over 100 grand at that point. And then it's sort of like, well, why am I buying an Amira? Mm -hmm. So get the ones that you can find for much less. And this 2016, it's bright yellow. It's gorgeous. Mm, 13,000 mm. miles. They're it's such cool cars. New. Yeah. And this one was 86,000. So we're still mm, spending a lot, mm. but it's still a different experience before the Amira comes. I'm kind of all about the Mercedes, but I really like the idea of spending less. Nobody's going to see you buying a Maserati. I mean, your neighbors will be like, you bought a Maserati? <laughs> and it still looks like you spent a lot. And mm -hmm. maybe you will with the maintenance you and might, the eventual yeah. repairs, but still, you paid less for it initially. So that means you've got something different and unique and you've got it for a year or two and you get it out of your system mm -hmm. because now's the time to experience your fear car before the Amira comes and then you can get rid of the fear car and you'll be back to breathing All right. normally All right. and you'll have had this cool different experience that otherwise you wouldn't take advantage of mm. because if you just get something to hold you over, it's just not going to be scratched knowing that you've got an Amira mm. coming soon. Interesting. Now, I can't decide what you should do with the other cars if you get this car. I do like the Civic Si for your son, but insurance is the the deal to watch for here. Totally agree. A totally base agree. Civic would be more in line with what I'd recommend for him. But on the other hand, you've already got the Civic. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't have to switch cars. Yeah, you've that's already true. Got it. Mm -hmm. I suppose I'd go for it if uh, if you're there to teach him. Some things about the mm -hmm. car and, yeah, and start teaching them some driving, uh, some good driving habits. The Z4M, are you tired of it yet? Mm. I mean, it's a great car, but yeah, who wants to buy cool Tim's Z4M? Because <laughs> you're getting a GT, an AMG GT, or something stupid like a Maserati Gran Turismo. I like this. This is good. You and I went a little bit, we, we went to similar parts of the market, but we went different places. And Tim, I want to talk about some of your, your thoughts here. First off, the SI, that is a lot of car for a first driver. It's such a good car, though. And so the real question I have, and I cannot quantify it, is, is it good for your son? I don't know your son. True. Okay. A lot of 16-year-olds, too much car. Some 16-year-olds, probably be fine. What is your son like? How responsible? How good a driver? Mm. Do you trust your son? Don't think about kids in general. He's listening now and he's saying, yes, exactly. he's all of those he's things. He's saying, come on, dad. I love the SI. It's going to be great. I'll be, I promise I'll be perfect. Right. But, but the reality is because you could do this. You also could, could take that SI, sell it for probably most of what you got it for, and buy your son something five, 10 years old because it's his first car that is still mm. dynamic and still good to drive and cheaper. And because it's older, the insurance will come down. I'm talking mm -hmm. Fiesta STs. If you want to stay hot, I mean, it's still a lot of car for a 16-year-old, but if we're talking about Mini Coopers or a Fiat 500 yeah. Abarth or, or, or then get away from the turbos and just do the hatch version of these things, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that would keep your costs down. Now, you, now the SI leaves your life, which is a bummer because you like it. And you have it already. And that's the it's thing. And there's, there's a real argument there because you have it, you know it, you love it, and your son's driving it. 
So that's a car you can still have access to because your son's driving it. I do understand the pull of that. I like that he would start driving a manual, though, at the I beginning agree. of his that's driving key. career. I that do like key. that. I totally agree. And that's, that's like the number one thing that my wife and I agree on when we talk about a car for my son is we both are like, yep, it's going to be a manual, which mm. is cool. Mm. cool. So I think that's very good. You're going to have to figure out is your son a, a good person to put in that SI? And then you're going to have to wade yourself into the world of insurance for a 16-year-old yeah. driving a mostly brand new hot car. Is the insurance more than the cost of the car? Because I've known those 16-year-olds where the monthly payment on the car is less is than less. the insurance for them to drive said yeah. car. So be careful. I can't answer that question, but I, I see both sides of the equation. I like your Z4M. I do think that can go and be sacrificed in the short term. Uh, I'm in the same place Paul is, and that is I could see your son in the SI or maybe sell that, get him something else. Sell the Z4 and get a holdover car. I'm also going to put this out there. You haven't driven an Amira yet. No. You, you think you're going to love it, and I love it, and I'd love to have one, but I had a variant on my feeling of owning my Elise when I drove the Amira, and mm-hmm. that is a lot of people buying a brand-new sports car in the modern time are going to get tired of the Amira quickly. You think so? I do. I think so. I Was think it because of the suspension or I, just the fact wh- that whatever it's you're suddenly go- a, Whatever you're going to bring up, I'm going to say yes. Just an exotic. Suspension, you know. manual transmission, not an incredible, not, it's not a $100,000 interior. It's a nice interior. It's not a $100,000 interior. No, no. It has a loud cabin because it's a mid-engine car. It doesn't have like super cruise mode. Yeah, it doesn't have super cruise mode. I mean, I think most people buying a modern sports car, it's not going to be modern or subdued when they want it to be enough for them to keep it. I'm also counting Mm. on those people because I'd like to use one. Separate thing. (laughs) But this is the reason the Evora, which by the way was awesome, didn't sell well. Mm-hmm. And the other issue is the lingering reality of the fact that it has a Lotus badge on it. Now, I've had a great experience, but there are a lot of people, justifiably, that would never buy a Lotus because they're worried about the X factor of it's a Lotus. How do I get it serviced? What if it breaks? I'd, I've had a great experience. I've yeah. had this, these problems solved, but there, there is that X factor as well. So what I, what I want you to keep in mind here, Tim, is the fact that ultimately you're buying a car, sight unseen, you haven't driven. Mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. means when it does show up now, three years from now, <laughs> you might not like it enough. I mean, we know he's going to like it. Yes. It's, it's really I, awesome. I, I really like it, and I very much want one. However, if, if you're out there with one to sell, I'll, I'll be happy to talk to you. But uh, And in fact, along those lines, uh, Tim, if you do get your Amira, I'm putting it out there right now. I, I'm calling dibs. If you get your Amira and you decide you don't want it, send up smoke signals, send us an email. I am open to talking. Should, Todd, you send your specs to Tim so we can spec <laughs> it out for you when he sells it to Terrifying, you? Terrifying, but funny. Anyway, no, but seriously, you're, you're buying a car site unseen, and I don't want you to put all of your money toward that and then get, get on the back end of it and be like, I don't know that I like this as much as I spent money on it. I want mm. you to have the freedom mm. to get out. So in the interim, I want to talk about holdover cars that give you a different experience. You brought up the 911, the 997-911, the early 2000s 911, which I think you would really like. It isn't an elite, uh, an Amira. It's not. It no. has a very different feel. For sure, it is going to sure. feel older than the Amira, but even if it were a brand new 911 versus an Amira, those are two different driving experiences. Which one mm. speaks to you more? I can't speak to that. But I think a 997-911 is very interesting in the in the interim and I also will call it as my favorite 911. It is the most modern 911 that I feel like is still like the classics because because they get bigger after the 997. So sure. anyway, true. 
But the 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 play here, I'm going way off book here, <laughs> is you end up loving the Amira and the used 911, and they both hang out in your garage. But I think that's beyond your budget. And then Sun, who has inherited Civic Si, oh now he's jumping now up inherits and down. Z4M. So he is jumping up. No, the Z4 is getting sold in the interim. To get the is the Z4 gonna, just going away? Have to I feel go. like it's just going away. I think financially it also has to go. But could you stretch and have both the old 911 and the Amira when it comes? I can't speak to that. But maybe your son would love that garage, by the way. He's driving the SI while dad's choosing between a 911 and a Amira. Tim, that's a healthy garage. But that is a healthy I actually think garage. you walked past the right car for you, Tim, in the middle of your description. You said up here, I'm going to go back and find it, an LC500 is likely too conventional. Where do you live, Tim? <laughs> All of his neighbors. Do you know how rarely I'm talking when we go to LA, I mean here locally, but also in LA, do you know how rarely we see an LC 500? Do you see one park city? There's a few, there's a few, but they're not common. No, I am almost more likely to see a Lamborghini product in park city or in LA than an LC 500. True. Okay. The LC 500 is also one of those, I think, enduring classic designs. It looks great now. I think it's going to look great in 25 or 50 years. For sure. Yes. It is a fantastic driving experience. There won't be a second's thought about reliability. Right. I've seen them as low as like 65 grand. Now you can get them 80, 100, you can get them brand new, but you can get 65 grand for a user. The fear is low. The, the fear the meter is, is low. But, but this is this is the thing. The, the other thing I've said about the LC500, I'm going to say again here, it's not the most dynamically awesome car ever, but it is almost the perfect grand tourer. If you're not a person driving hard, you yeah. say you want to daily it. It looks like nothing else. I will be astonished if you ever pull up to a light outside of a Lexus meetup and there's ever another one. Okay. All the LC five hundred owners. Yeah, they're all. They're, yeah, we're <laughs> we're all doing a drive this week. We're oh, going. Man. We're going to go slowly down and get get coffee. It's going to be great. So so I think you're going to be by yourself in that car, loving it, and it will give you such an interesting benchmark. I'm not saying which way is correct here, but I've always felt like the LC five hundred is what most people buying a Corvette think they're getting. True. The people True. that yeah. have that they've never had a sports car. They've saved up their whole life. They've just retired. They're going to buy a Corvette. I think what they want that car to be is what the LC500 is. They don't need it to be super dynamic. They never had a sports car. They want it to run, look amazing, sound really cool, and be awesome to sit in. LC500 is all of that, and an extra. It's amazing. So I think you get an LC500 because here's what I think happens: you drive that and you discover, is it fun enough for you? It might be. You've got a Z4M and a Civic Si, both of which are very fun. Is the LC500 fun enough? It might not be, or it might be. You're going to have compare and contrast when that Amira shows up because it leans toward the other side of the spectrum of sacrifice from the LC500. It isn't as nice to sit in. It's not like a cozy cruiser at all. It's a Lotus product. Product, so you have a question mark about how's that going to run. Over here in Lexus land, you're comfortable and the stereo's killer <laughs> and it's going to run forever. So you yeah. can now go, who yeah. am I? Who am I really? It's th- Those two cars are far more divergent. Yes. So you can choose road trip, grand touring, comfortable, and I, take and the I think MOF. the Lexus is going to hang out price-wise in the interim as well. I just don't want that Emira to go undriven, Tim. Well, I, I hope I hope it shows up and you take a test drive and you go, I must have this. But I also want you to give yourself opportunity to for it to not be right when it shows up. And I agree with you, Paul. I would hate for him to end up with one and it's just a little too hardcore right. that it sits in the garage. How much do you fear BMW i8s, Tim? <laughs> those are actually surprisingly good deals now. There's, yeah. Those are good He's deals. He's no more BMWs, but it's still good. Yeah. But still, I, we, we had talked about one in... in 
some recent episodes yeah, yeah. not too long ago, and I just thought, I oh, hate, but all right, if BMWs are out, let's go some crazy Italian, but I... The Maserati thing is interesting, Paul. I'll, t- I'll give you that. I mean, I found the, the Cabriolets, which I think destroy the shape of it, personally, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's it's like the yeah. Mondial. Yeah, 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 yeah. All of them are convertibles. Why? It looks so much better with the hard it top. Does. Same with the GT. It looks so much better. It's a better shape because it's got kind of a long wheelbase. Mm-hmm. But the Roadsters, I'm finding, I found one for 45 grand. And I'm thinking, Tim, spend half. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the mm-hmm. music and yes, cruise around in that thing. And I think just like all Maseratis, there's people who haven't taken care of them and are dumping them. And then there's people who have taken care of them and have just traded them in mm-hmm. to go get the mm-hmm. next thing, whatever yeah. that yeah. is. California's out. I like your LC500. Uh, I, think, on the, I think it's I, much more interesting than he's looked at it in first blush. And I would much rather ha- have as an interim car an LC500 versus a used to get down under 100 grand California or Bentley Continental GT. Yeah, Both those cars scare me. Yeah, the Bentley's doing regard. nothing for me. The Maserati, if you're going to go scary, I agree with you. If you're going to go scary, <laughs> embrace Maserati. And you're right, you've spent half the, the, yes. the holdover budget, which makes it even better. But maybe you didn't because the repairs are going to bump you back up to the... But that's part of the fun. <laughs> is that fun, really? It's fun, right? <laughs> I mean, fun for Tim. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. We are going from a $95,000 budget to no budget. Like, yeah, under five. Yeah. <laughs> it is. The debate is for David Z in Calgary, Alberta. He is writing for a fun car with no budget. Mm. And by the way, as soon as I saw Calgary, David, I remembered that I have been to Calgary when I was in my in my tech days. I was working for Autodesk and visited a company there called Evans Consoles. Okay. And these are the guys that outfit control rooms, the war rooms sure, for yeah, yeah. you know emergency crews or military installations or airport towers. Okay, yeah, yeah. You never think about who outfitted all the screens in the console yeah. and and Actually, the reason it stuck with me, David, is because they always compared their different trim levels of consoles to BMW products. Like they would say, this is a BMW 7 Series, that's a 5 Series, this is oh, 3 Series. And they okay. would kind of explain to their customers in terms of BMW hierarchy through oh, their sedans. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, all right. And it always stuck with me. Hmm. These are car people. They get it. Hmm. And they've got an incredible business. It's a really interesting website. And it's just, it's something you never pay attention to, but they're right there in Calgary. So anyway, that's my connection to Calgary. David is 32, and he's been interested in cars for a long time. When he was 17, he and his dad unsuccessfully tried to do repairs on an 88 Mustang. Hmm. Only the four-cylinder. They just wanted something to work on. But since then, David's always wanted something fun to drive, but never had the opportunity. After seven years of college and university to then become a teacher, that's not a time for spending money. Yeah. Then he got married. It's not a time to spend money. <laughs> then they lived on his income due to his wife's health. Not really a time to spend money. And they just recently had a son who's lovely and amazing. Congratulations. He's currently 16 months old. Also not a time to spend money on cars. <laughs> I'm, seeing, I'm seeing a pattern here. It's so weird. Yeah. Uh-huh. Not a lot of extra money laying around. So they've kept things running at this mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. And David drives an automatic year 2000 Honda Civic which he loves. He just wishes it were a manual for more engagement. Okay. During COVID, he dipped his toes into a project. 
because he wanted to learn some mechanics. So he bought a 2004 Impreza 2.5 TS that needed repairs. Three summers later, he's nearly got it going. Oh, man. Nearly. A new starter, battery, shift linkage at the transmission, rebuilt diff, replaced transaxle oil seals, reinstalled axles. He figured a good way to get into a new car experience was to buy something super cheap for $400. Wow. And slowly put money into it. So he's only about $1,000 in so far. But a lot of time and a lot of, and here's the thing. Three summers. Extra, extra time, David, because the reality is you're spending your summers, which is your time off working on this car. You are not a mechanic by your own admission, which means anything you're doing is taking even more time than it should. And I'm not coming down on you because I am not a wrench, okay? But my point is here, you're using it as a learning process. Mm -hmm. So while you're only $1,400 in, you are thousands in time. True. Three summers in now, it's still not quite running. He got it driving once, but it's got a vibration that makes him think it's an axle or a drive shaft that's not quite seated properly. But that means he's not going to be able to troubleshoot that until mm -hmm. next summer. Remember, mm -hmm. he's a teacher, so that's yep. when he's got the maximum time to be able to work on stuff like this. He'd love to find a way to drive something that he would enjoy more, but mm. obviously he needs to take care of his family. That's first priority. You're right. Between a 300,000-kilometer Civic, an old Impreza that might one day drive again, what do we recommend for him? Should he save up little by little, or should he pull his resources? Wow. David, this is hard. I, first off, I, I respect you like crazy for the way you're approaching this. You are approaching this going, what's my reality? Mm -hmm. And then connecting that with, how much car fun can I get in my reality? Which I have the utmost respect for. I appreciate you just loving on your family and, and taking care of your family. I think mm -hmm. that's wonderful. For sure. The question I have for you is, you have two not quite good enough cars in your life. And I hate to say this, I understand that you bought the, the Impreza 2.5 TS, you bought it for really cheap and you haven't put a lot of money into it, but ultimately you're going to wind up with a car that is the definition of okay. It's not a special Subaru, it's not a sporty Subaru, it's an Impreza wagon from 04. It was it's just a cheap. Perfectly acceptable car, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. short of winding up with a manual, I, you know, I don't know that you've actually ended up with, hey, I want a fun car for no budget. You've ended up with a project car, but the, as we all know, when project cars are almost there, that's when it really seems to take a turn. Every ah. person I know with a car that they're like, it's almost there. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I mean, that's when, seriously, that's when, you, that's when the, the surprises oh come out. Okay. Yeah. So what I, what I'm really wondering for you, David, I have two questions that I don't have answers to, but I want you to ponder them. And first off is, what are both of these cars worth together in current shape? It's only going to be a few thousand, but what are both of them worth in current shape? Mm. Is there any flexibility at all for you to have a very small car loan? I don't mm. know. And mm. also, how realistically are you able to save? You haven't given us. You said, you know, can you save little by little? But I don't know how little we're talking. What I'm concerned about here is. You're going to save up money over this winter to put more money into that Impreza. Yeah. You're also going to be spending money to keep this super high mile Civic running because it's going to need stuff. Even if it keeps running great, it's just a high mile Civic. It's going to wear out and need stuff. You True. have two old cars that need things. This is the problem that we get into a lot of times. We talk to people about inexpensive cars. The buy-in price is only the beginning. Because then you're going to have true. to do something to it. Doesn't matter what it is. Your buy-in price on your Impreza was nothing, but you put a thousand dollars in. You, if you let me spin it out another way, you've more than doubled what it cost you 
We're still true. talking We're about small amounts of low money. Low numbers, true. But you've more than double. You spent more than double what it cost you on that car, and ultimately, it will be fine when it's done. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want you to combine both to buy something else. And we've said it before, and I know this may be out of your budget. We said it before, but like a five thousand dollar car is very easily a ten thousand dollar car. Because you bought it for five grand, and then I did this, and then it needed that, and now it needs this, and ultimately you spent eight grand. Well, the eight thousand dollar car wouldn't need it all that. There's a there's a tipping point here that's hard to find, but I'm going to give you two options: Saab nine two X, same mm. era mm. as the Impreza that you own. Buy one that already runs. Okay, buy one of the manual that already runs. If you want to save yourself some serious money, buy the non-aero, so the non-turbo version, but it is the better looking version of the similar era of that Impreza that you're talking about. Can you sell the Civic and that and buy one of those in manual? Good all-wheel drive. And the thing that's crazy is people don't really think of those when they're buying Subarus, which are typically overpriced, the Subaru WRXs. So the aeros, the turbos in running condition are less than 10. They're like seven. Okay, that may still be out of your budget, but I bet you the non-turbos right now are four. So yeah. Saab 92X, another okay, option here is an that's early good. Mini Cooper. That would be a very fun car. Can you sell your Civic and the Impreza and get yourself into an early Mini Cooper that's running? My, mm-hmm. Mine was five grand and mine was the nicest one on the planet. Those early Mini Coopers are kind of worth nothing. True. That's so good. That's my other thought for you. So I know, I want to be very careful here, David. I know I'm spending more than your budget. But what I'm concerned about is I think the two cars you have are going to keep leeching budget from you. Mm-hmm. So I'd almost mm-hmm. rather you stretched a little bit up front and got something that is more fun with the manual transmission that currently runs than keep drip feeding these two cars you have, one that's a project and one that's just old. That's good advice. David, Todd's giving you excellent advice here, and I'm very much on board. And I'm wondering about that Impreza. You bought it, I believe, not running. I can't really tell. I get the impression not running, and that's why it was $400. Yeah. And now it doesn't run well. Which means you can't sell that without it running. I think... You're a, you're a special case. All of us car enthusiasts are a special case. We'll buy non-running cars thinking, I'll just get this running and I'll flip it. And well, it's taken you three summers and now it's going to take you another fourth to sort it out. Mm-hmm. And for you to actually be able to sell that, you have to find another you mm-hmm. who's willing to take on a project like I see the potential. I'm going to dump money into it and make mm-hmm. it really run. Or you've got to get it to a baseline where it does run for something. somebody looking for an inexpensive car can rely on it. And we'll say, okay, you've done a lot to it and it runs, okay, it's sorted and now it's actually worth some money. It's right at the tipping point between Mm -hmm. you putting more money into it to really make it sorted and be able to sell it for twice as much as it's worth. Maybe you can sell it for Mm $2,500, but to get there, how much more will you have to put in? That's my concern. But how can you get rid of it right now if it's not driving and running? Mm, That's my concern. We're right at the tipping point David, do you have a mechanic friend? I want somebody other than you to diagnose yeah. this car. Yes. By your own admission, yes. you're not a mechanic and you think you know what's wrong. I think you need a mechanic friend or a friend of a friend you can pay an hourly rate to come by for an hour and go, oh, it's this. Because I think you're chasing ghosts. I'm, I'm, I, part of me wants you to just be mechanic special, sell it as is, runs and drives, but not well. can you get more than $1,400 well. for it right now? I don't know. But, because that's about the only way he should do it. But how much more is it going to be to get it running? That's my. That's the real that's unknown the here. Tipping point. You need a mechanic diagnosis. I think if you can get it sorted and running, you might be able to sell it for three grand. Sure, absolutely. I but see again, that. it's got to run. Yeah. For yeah. most people to even consider it, you yeah. cannot advertise like, well, it's a kind of it's not really sorted. 
And then your old Honda Civic, I know that you love it, but I also look at that as maybe it's time to go. It's mm-hmm. time for that to go because you said save little by little, even if that's a hundred or 200 a month, that could go towards a newer car payment. Well, then it's going yeah. to pay something off, mm-hmm. even though yes, the, the interest rates are still crazy they're, they're and terrible. I, yeah. I realize that, but I'm wondering about allocating your dollars to be able to put to something that's newer mm-hmm. and only one car. I don't want you to have to spend your summer wrenching on something where the, the outcome is unknown. Yeah, I want you to go be with your family. You've got your summers off. Yeah, which means newer car, and that means suddenly road trips, and you're going to want to get out and go do some things. Let's hope so. You need a car that you can really rely mm-hmm. on that is running because I want your time and dollars going towards tires and maintaining a newer car. Mm-hmm. And sure, something that's moderately fun there's a million cars. You've suggested two excellent ones. There's Mazda 3s. There's Honda Civics. And you love your Honda Civic. All those kinds of cars. But I'm, I'm saying newer. Mm-hmm. A lot has changed since the year 2000 for, for those older cars. And there's so many in the 5,000 and under. But we're, again, right on the tipping point of I spent too little money on my car and now I'm dumping money into it to keep it running. So yeah, that's yeah. where I think maybe a loan is worth looking at to get something newer. Maybe we're up to seven, eight, nine, ten grand. Yeah, I know that seems it's way probably out there. seems terrifying because initially I'm thinking, mm-hmm. oh, well, just go be the rebuild guy for a copart, you know, buy an old junk thing, and you're rebuild guy. Well, you're not actually a wrench. You're yeah. not actually a rebuild guy who can turn it for profit quickly mm-hmm. to maximize your time. Your time is worth a lot of money. Yeah, it is, especially. Yeah. And even though NA Miatas are cheap, well, then you've got now a, an NA Miata. It's just a small car, and you yeah. still got this really high mileage Civic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for all the things that interest you from, uh, I, I really lean towards Hyundai and, uh, sorry, Honda and Toyota mm-hmm. sure. for yeah, yeah. anything that is five-ish years old, because that's your five, six, seven years old is your cutoff for getting a loan on something. Yeah, that's fair. A lot, unless you, yeah, you might be able to pull off as much as 10 if you've got a, a credit union you really, really like, but you're right. You're, you start to get in trouble. I think it's time for you to really start considering what do I need to do to get rid of both these cars for money, not mm. dumping them, not yeah, unloading yeah, yeah. them. Yeah, yeah. What focus do I need to do for these two cars to get them to a running condition where somebody will appreciate them and they'll be running and you can feel confident and honest where you've put somebody in a car that you know is still going to run. Yeah, it's mm. going to need mm. stuff. It's an old car with high miles. Focus all your resources on doing that to get rid of these cars and then that will inform you, okay, I spent $200 a month for the next three months getting rid you know, getting these cars ready for sale. Could that $200 a month now be allocated towards a car payment? Mm. Because if it can be, now you've got yourself something newer, less miles, and there's, there's still a lot of fun to be had. I like the Mini Cooper idea. That's a great idea. We'll see. I, I hope the best for you here, David. I know it's a lot to ponder, but this is the weird uh, knife edge you're on. Mm-hmm. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Thank you guys as always for questions. I'm going to start right here with Kevin Burke who asks something fascinating because I think I can talk both sides of the same question. He says he's getting Volvo ads in front of YouTube videos. What are our opinions on Volvo's current advertising tagline, like your smartphone, but bigger? Kevin, there's there's two ways to look at this. Hmm. We as car people are horrified. <laughs> Offended. However, actually. however, if you're selling the Volvo XC60 recharge, I think that is a genius piece of marketing. Because the person that is not a car person that doesn't drive a car for the enjoyment of driving. That is exactly what I want. This is the argument that I hear from Tesla Tesla owners all the time about why buttons are stupid because smartphones are better, okay? And I can go into a whole separate rant on that. But my point here is people want the usability and also, I hate to say it this way, disposability of their smartphone. I want latest tech. Mm -hmm. I want to be able to touch something and it work. I want to not think about it. I want it to just cater to me. Driving dynamics don't matter. They're trying to sell a technology product and they want to sell it to people who want simple technology that makes their life easier. The smartphone is the perfect reference. If it really is just like your smartphone but bigger, I think it's genius, but not for any of you listening. All of you listening are probably horrified. The hair on the back of your neck standing up just like it is for me because you're like, no, that's the last <laughs> thing I want. But I think for the average consumer, it's perfect. Really cool question from John McInnes on Facebook. If we think the performance of the C8 Corvette E-Ray has changed the dynamics and understanding of a hybrid by the general public being utilized for performance instead of or in addition to fuel savings. Mm. What you're saying is hybrid has been marketed to everybody up to this point as what a great way to save gas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you still get a fuel efficient engine, whether it's turbo, whether it's not. Hey, this is a great way to go. Ease yourself into whether it's a plug-in hybrid or just a straight-up HEV. What a great thing to consider. That's what the Volt started doing for people, and people mm -hmm. have loved their mm -hmm. Volts. You can plug it in for a little while and have electric-only mode, and then it's still a 350, 400-mile range real car. Mm -hmm. You're right. Yeah, you can drive Fill it, it up at a gas station. If you need to. Yep. exactly. I think this is interesting, and just like the McLaren Artura that is coming out in our Price of Fun film. McLaren is not positioning that Artura as save some gas. <laughs> yeah, no. at, that, at that price point, gas gas budget is not your concern. Yeah, uh -huh. Nor is the price point for a C8 Corvette owner. If fair you're point. considering yeah, a C8, I don't think MPG enters the top 10 of reasons you want a C8. Yeah, that's a good point. That's not on the list. Well, and, and your E-Ray buyer is buying the E-Ray because they want all-wheel drive. They want all-wheel drive. They're not buying it because it's hybrid. Exactly. It's an interesting point. I hadn't I hadn't thought about it this way. So I think the fuel savings is a way it's not even in the top ten for me. Mm. And I don't think it is for any buyer. It's just a ah, oh, I get more performance. And of all the Corvettes thus far, apparently the E-Ray is the quickest. Well, yeah. It's because it's got the electric motor. That's great. And I think people are catching on to that. And I think, John, to answer your question, I agree. Yes, it will change the perception of hybrid. And now car companies can use it. For either purpose. Yeah. They can go hot sports car hybrid mm -hmm. over here. Look what we're doing, McLaren Artura. They can do the C8 Corvette in that camp. Or hybrid for Priuses and hybrid to get you know, this is, good fuel saving. This is a trend happening right now. And, and I want to bring up why, why I say that. But I also think it, I don't think it started here. I think it started a decade ago when the three hypercars came out. The LaFerrari. Absolutely. The 918. You're absolutely And right. the P1. Yes. And all three of those 
even though they you could plug them in, none of them were, look at me, I'm a plug-in. All of them were, look at how we've used a hybrid electric system to make this even faster. Mm-hmm. That was the watershed moment. Now, not everybody pays attention to cars like all of we, all of us do, okay? Mm-hmm. True. But that was the watershed moment technology-wise, where that was, I feel like, really the first usage where people were like, oh, that's interesting. But now look <laughs> a at- A hybrid I can't afford. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. But look at all of the, the performance cars since that have started to come out with hybridization. The Acura NSX came out. True. Nobody was buying that for MPG. And that te- technology <laughs> no, is now- anyway. <laughs> well, sadly, yeah. But that technology is now trickling down to the E-Ray, which is kind of like sports car for everybody, if you will. And it has that same thinking of a decade ago. But the reason I think this is a trend right now is Toyota's starting to do this. Others are as well, but Toyota's current lineup of their MAX engines, their mm-hmm. hybrid MAX engines in their trucks, if you want the most powerful trucks from Toyota right now, you get the hybrid version. Now, isn't that a total flip? That's true. That used to be, from Toyota, the, the, the pioneer of hybrids. Hybrid was just MPG. And now we've jumped forward. And this same Max hybrid uh, idea is in their Toyota Crown sedan. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. want the hot one, you get the hybrid. That's a great That's point. That's starting to change perception. And I think it's going to be industry-wide because you're starting to see the capability of the hybrid version is now the hot one. And I think the E-Ray is, is just part of that. Let's hope that continues. Let's hope that proliferates I think and it's continues. Interesting. Because you're right. Yeah. You can use it for off-roading now because mm-hmm. you can creep. You can get EV mode. I mean, shoot, the 4xE Wrangler. Yeah, you sure. can just yeah, That's a good point. Do yeah, 20 miles yep. in electric yep. mode only. And you've got the torque for more slowly crawling over rocks and finer control, which is great. Interesting, yeah. Lord Vader has a uh, podcast technology question that, buddy, I can't answer. You said for the last few weeks, you're listening on Spotify and the episodes of this podcast, hopefully you're hearing this, seem to end abruptly a few minutes before the timeline suggests the episode is over. So what I'm, I'm gleaning from here is you're not hearing our sign off, that it's just stopping. And I'll be honest, that's not on our end. I, I we are. I don't think we, it's on our we end. We have not, yeah. and we have. You're the first person to tell us it's happening on the listener end. If there are others of you out there having this problem, please let us know. But you said the last couple podcasts for you have been clipped off at the end, and I'm sorry about that. I hope I'm answering the question early enough before the ending that you actually heard the answer. Bitter car guy on Instagram thinks on our podcast we're recommending for a, a car for Nick and his band thinks that we ignored a segment of vehicles that might work for his situation. <laughs> you know, so the small quirky cars get one of those K trucks, the KEI, the K trucks. Yeah, the K, like the K tiny cars. little K trucks. Oh my gosh, can you imagine a band pilot? It's, it, so it's a clown act and a band. Ooh. It's perfect, I like it. <laughs> That's awesome. Nick Lancey has almost brought up a topic Tuesday, but I think I can hit it with a headline. And he said, as cars enthusiasts, should we be pushing for more funding of public transit in our cities so there are fewer people on roads that we, the car people, would like to be on and the people that are on their phones shouldn't be on? He feels like most people don't actually want to be driving, but (laughs) there's not enough good, clean, comfortable alternatives. Nick, this is where Europe is an interesting guide here because Europe does really well with public transit. Mm-hmm. Okay, my sister lives in London, hasn't owned a car in years. In fact, I don't even think she's got a license right now. And Crazy. You and I are it's, shaking our heads like it's how unthinkable. You, you don't have a you can't you can't legally. Dr- I just hung out with my sister, and I was like, you actually can't legally drive. It's the weirdest thing ever. Anyway, but my point is, yes, public transit is a way that those of us that love to drive could have a better car driving life going forward. And people that don't want to drive and feel like they have to drive. 
often make the worst drivers. They just do. They're, they're afraid of it. They'd rather be doing something else. They want to look at their phone. I drove by a guy in a large pickup the other day who wasn't even hiding it. He was full on phone resting on the top of the steering wheel as he drove down the road on one of those like big pickups. And I just thought, you've got to be kidding. Can, can I, is there, uh, clearly you'd like to be doing something else. So public transit would be wonderful. The problem is that the U.S. infrastructure was never built for public transit. Mm-hmm. And so the retrofitting cost nightmares here are staggering, but it would be great. I, I, as, as a car person, I'm all for public transit. Absolutely. My sister is actually a great example. We were talking about it this weekend because I hung out with her over, over Thanksgiving. We were talking about it this week. We are talking about how much she enjoys being able to get around without having to drive. She's not like, I would like to drive again. She likes that London allows her to do that. So she loves living in London. It's one of the many reasons. She lived in Manhattan before that. This is my sister who clearly has made public transit work for her very, <laughs> know, very well. Know, yeah. And without apology, she's not like, yeah, but public transit's terrible. She's done it in all places all over the globe. And she loves that ability to not have to think about anything. But what's the public transit route? I'll make it happen. So I think it is a great thing. But I don't know how much putting that into the U.S. is going to be realistic. Mr. McGillicuddy is talking on Instagram about manufacturers stretching their development budgets for more conventional vehicles and introducing heavily refreshed designs in some segments in lieu of complete redesigns because of stretched budgets for creating EVs now. Some see this as a bad thing, but Mr. McGillicuddy thinks it could be a good thing. First, cars are quite expensive, yes, and being able to justify that cost over double the production cycle will make them more affordable. There are problems that pop up in every new car, and addressing the problems during the refresh could solve a lot of problems and produce a better car. This might not be you, and I'm saying this generally speaking. If that's the case, then why is everybody, why is it war when we talk about the Supra? Why is it suddenly mm. like war? Well, that's mm. just a BMW, and I'm going to look down my nose on it, and it's not a good car. How it's dare a you say Toyota? Car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toyota, how dare you for collaborating? Mm-hmm. And do we want another generation past this Supra? Yes, I do. I, mm-hmm. I would love it if there was an, another generation even better, which means there's going to be another BMW Z4. Maybe another one in there somewhere else. Maybe Mini gets something with, I, I don't know. Well, but, but to, your, long hood to Mini. your point, while we're talking about the Supra here, here, here's the problem. The Z4 has not been a sales success for BMW. If BMW and Toyota are supposed to go forward on Super version 2, how much harder is Toyota going to have to press to get BMW to want to be involved at all? At least in True. the case of the BRZ and the 86, it was a sales success on both sides. I feel like car companies are looking at the EV business with, with too much business eye. Mm. Even though the car business is that, it is a for-profit enterprise, once executives have figured out and found out, oh, well, we could just use the same platform. I mean, they've been doing this for years with gas-powered cars, but let's just make one platform to rule them all. And hey, all of our different products, you just lengthen or shorten the wheelbase and the product just fits right on that. Mm-hmm. From ID Buzz to the ID7 to the, <laughs> it's all the same. That The, the MEB is mm-hmm. their new one instead yeah. of MQB. Yeah, MEB. Mm-hmm. And I think there's too much badge engineering going on already. Mm. The Polestar 3 is so much of the Lotus uh, Electra that I have to laugh out loud. I'm like, mm, yeah, well, sure, of course. Sure, sure, yeah. It's the same thing underneath. And for car companies to start doing this even more, doing this badge engineering and just consolidating everything just from the standpoint of let's make a buck rather than making something brilliant. 
what is the balance? Mm. I know that one is not better than the other. And I'm not saying that every car has to be its own bespoke platform and you have to make it drive differently. <laughs> all of us journalists and all, well. Be nice, but never gonna happen. All of us car enthusiasts would really like that. Hey, yeah, for sure. the golf doesn't feel like the Atlas anymore. Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, they feel exactly the same. They, it literally, it just feels like an inflated golf. Driving the Atlas going, oh yeah, yeah this feels familiar. You're right. It costs money in development. So they're going to have to really figure out who are we as a brand. We're a car company. This is our brand. This is our ethos. We're going after three quarters EVs or three quarters hybrids or more gas cars or who are we? And then the ones that aren't, the ones that are the enthusiast cars, maybe there is more development dollars. Maybe there has to be more collaborations to bring those to market. But they drive differently. They're excellent. And they provide a different driving experience. I'm wondering if that's already happening to BMW. Their M division is claiming the new EV, whatever that's going to be, the M3 is going to be, they're saying it's not the IM3. How dare okay. they use the, the letter I mm, yes. next to the motorsports brand. But the M3 will be eventually an, an EV. But what about gas-powered manual transmissions that BMWs are they do so well at. Yeah, true. What about true. those cars? Are those kind of completely mm, go mm. away? Maybe, mm. but I feel like they're torn right now. And it seems like practically every car company is torn. So they're they're putting too much emphasis on this. They're make, making the, the cars too similar. It's not going to take very long if consumers haven't already figured out that the Lyric is the Chevy Blazer, is the Chevy Blazer SS. Is the Honda is the, Prologue. The Honda Prologue, the Acura ZDX. Mm-hmm. It's all the same ultimate. It's the Silverado. It's you, the Hummer EV. It's we walked the LA the Auto Show. And those were within like stones throwing distance of each other. And it was a weird like time warp. Yes. To walk from the Acura ZDX to the Honda Prologue to the blazer and be like, wait, 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 wait. I feel used. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Ryan Bachman is asking questions about the Tacoma because you posted a bunch of t- Tacoma photos. If you haven't seen it yet, we have uh, we have a Tacoma piece on our test drive videos channel. We did a review. We did a test drive both on-road and off-road in two different trims. There are eight trims. It's practically the 911 now. Anyway, there's a lot of trims. <laughs> Oh, we drove that be great? on road and off road in Tacoma. Los Angeles for the <laughs> <laughs> the Targa Forest Tacoma, the, the, the Taco Targa. That's what we need. <laughs> anyway, moving on. So the point is, we hope you'll watch that review, and it actually is also available uh, in audio soon. So uh, we hope you'll watch that and enjoy it. The Taco is also available as a podcast audio. So we hope one way or the other you've heard that our discussion of the Taco, good and bad, the new Tacoma that did. We drove it on Taco Tuesday. The video came out on Taco Tuesday. A lot of Taco Tuesday discussions. But his question is, what's the best driving or riding mid-sized truck in our opinion? So this world, we're talking Colorado. The Ranger isn't really out yet. There's a new one coming. The Frontier, Mm -hmm. the new Tacoma. Where are we on the best riding and driving? And Ryan, here's the thing that's happened. I feel like with that world of trucks that's been a case on every other market segment but is now is happening there and that is which trim are we talking about because we were pleasantly surprised by the sport trim on the new Tacoma Mm. because it Mm. drove on the road well because it was tuned to drive on the road well when we were off-road we were in the TRD off-road true which I wouldn't have wanted to drive on the road because I bet I wouldn't have liked it as much and the the Chevy Colorado ZR2 super monster guy we recently had was all right on the road, but it was set up for off-road. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so the, the problem happens here, Ryan, is that 
now they're starting to offer, and this is ultimately a good thing, they're offering lots of different trims. So you can buy the trim that should match the way you're going to use it. But that's not how we buy. How we buy is I'm going to buy the off-road super-duper 4x Pro and I'm going to go through Starbucks when they spill gravel on the driveway and then I'm going to drive on the highway. They spilled coffee beans. Seriously. And then guess what? That rides terribly. So many times we buy that because it looks cool and it looks killer and then it rides terribly on the road and we hardly ever go off-road. So I'm going to say something controversial to truck lovers out there because I agree at how cool this tech is and how awesome it is to see these off-road versions. But if you're a person buying a pickup to drive as a commuter, you need to buy the on-road version. True. Otherwise, guess what? The ride is terrible. And then truck people, and I have met many who are like, oh, it doesn't ride that bad. It rides terribly. You just are used to a truck ride. <laughs> Maybe this is the answer or part of it to Mr. McGilliacuddy's question, the prior question about differentiation. Maybe it's only done through trim levels. And on EVs, that just means it's going to be lines of code. One line of code will make that suspension ride higher. And it's... Oh. I, those of you you know the coding know I'm about to make a terrible, terrible uh, fallacy. But I'm just going to say it for the joke. Zero, one, zero, one, zero, one, two. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Thank you guys for all your questions. We really appreciate it. Write to us with your debates, your topic Tuesdays, and your car conclusions, TV at gmail.com. And again, the price of fun is coming a week from today's podcast. McLaren Artura is in it. I just love all five cars in this. It's really yes, cool. It's so here's, cool. The, here's the other side note about that piece is that we actually ended up with five cars that we all knew were good going in. We had we cha- we chased like eight or nine cars for this piece to see what we'd wind up with, and mm-hmm. you you were killing yourself, Paul. I have to give you kudos right now. You were Ferrari killing SF nineties were killing themselves. Yes, they were they were killing themselves to not be in the piece. But we we, ended up, we had a few cars that we thought might be there. We we didn't know going in if we were going to like them. What ended up happening with the cars we actually ended up with? We knew the moment we stepped onto set. All five of these cars are fun and good to drive. Yes. Which made the discussion about price of fun even better. Looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.